Welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic noveling, comics publishing. We're back recording at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly, editor of PW Comics World, and editor of the Fanatic PW's twice a month comic and <laughs> pop culture newsletter. And that person chuckling in the back will introduce herself in a little bit. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. <laughs> chuckling still i'm the editor editor in chief of the beat at comicsbeat.com and you can find us on twitter at at pw comics world and uh yeah check us out and i'm kate fitzsimmons i'm the podcast producer and you can find us online on tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com and don't forget you can subscribe to more to come on the apple podcast app on google podcast and on stitcher and on social media uh that would be facebook we're at facebook.com slash PW Comics World. And don't forget, you can rate us. You can let us know if you like what we're doing or dislike what we're doing. So, uh, you know, give us a thumbs up or uh, give us a comment. Leave us a comment on any of the podcasting platforms that we're on because we love to hear from our listeners. We do. This week on More to Come. <laughs> uh, new imprints galore. Discovering DC. Brian Hibbs, <laughs> Bookscan Report, quote, it's a doozy. Uh, Joe Casey ain't having it. Um, Colt Manga censored and, well, we're gonna look back at WonderCon and Mocha. Alright. So, an explosion, you could say, of new imprints. Uh, well, yes, a lot of news this week of, uh, every, it's, uh, everybody's announcing their new, uh, yeah. initiative, their yeah. new, their new thing that's coming for the summer. Uh, let's see. Well, Dark Horse, I'm yeah. excited by this. Dark Horse just announced a, uh, imprint by Matt Kent yeah. called Flux House. He says it's, uh, inspired by the Fluxus movement. And, uh, if you know Matt Kent's work, you know it's going to be unusual. Apparently some of the books, he's going to design all the books and some of them are going to include fur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the the Fluxus art movement was pretty absurdist, and uh, I guess he's going to go down that line. <laughs> well, Matt is a really, um, a really good um, designer. I mean, if yes. you you know, but following him for years, he always has done like these really incredible um, kind of promotional materials for mm. a lot of his books. And most of his books have some sort of weird super spy conspiracy, yeah. mind bending. Well, mind management. Mind management, yes. The, yeah, his, will be, his classic series, I guess you could call yeah, it. Yeah, well, he'll be launching it mm-hmm. with a new mind management uh, series with art by Farrell Darimple, Jill Thompson, um, David David Rubin. It's a pretty awesome sounding, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, good. And what else is coming up, Calvin? Well, that's Charlemagne the God. If you don't know who he is, then... <laughs> you're not he's listening. Got, you're not listening. I mean, he's got, I guess he's had the, the king of black talk radio. Um, yeah. But really, his... his tentacles are everywhere these days he's doing media d's he's got a comedy you know show that he hosts but now he's launching a comics imprint interestingly enough um uh with i guess artists writers and artisan actually packaging and producing the work um um what's it kevin grievous uh who has written for everybody it seems like to me and he's also pretty he's pretty well established in hollywood too isn't he Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And is, what is his title? Is he like uh, kind of editorial director or something? I don't have all the stuff in front of me here. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but he's sort of overseeing the editorial part of it. And this is also in collaboration. This is basically an imprint that he's launching at Simon & Schuster uh, with a his own imprint, Black Privilege Publishing. Right, which I believe he already had going. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's yeah. definitely going. Yeah, he launched that in 2017, but he, now he's adding graphic novels to the mix. Well, why wouldn't you? Graphic novels are uh, hot. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah, so the first book is called Dark Storm, which uh, Kevin Grevio will be writing. So, um, you know, more to come there. I, I think it's pretty cool that he's got both a comics publisher and Simon and & Schuster involved. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> It'll be yet to see um, which part each plays in the mm. creation of this product. But if this is a case of Simon and Schuster letting a comic publisher do the heavy lifting of the comic publisher work, that would be a good business model for both of them, I think. Well, I think what they're obviously, well, it's obviously interested, interesting to see, you know, Bill Jemis and, you know, Axel Alonso also here, you know, uh, being a part of this. Um, um, but really, I mean, Charlemagne the God is so, he has such a media profile. He has such a massive audience. He's everywhere all mm. at once. Yeah. Um, I think they figured that whatever he's going to create, people will know about it. And, you know, that's not a good place. To, that's a pretty good place to start from. He's like Oprah, but edgier. Mm-hmm. Yes. You yeah. Could say yeah, that. totally. Yeah. But he's always on the air, on video. He's on, you know, there's clips of him on TikTok. I mm-hmm. mean, he's talking about everything. He's talking to everybody. Well, they call him the God. That's why. That's right. You know. So there you go. Um, so. Uh, but back, turning back to terrestrial comics, uh, then IDW just announced, uh, that their originals line is gonna have nine new series, uh, including books by Scott Snyder, G. Willow Wilson, Scott Brian Wilson, I guess there's no relationship, uh, Van Jensen, our, our old buddy, Van Jensen, yes, yes, who, who wrote for us, used to write for us back, back in the day before yeah. he became a really well-known comics writer, yeah. um, Robbie Thompson. It's all kinds of different genres here. The titles are kind of cool. Earth Divers, The Crashing, True mm-hmm. Cult, uh, Dark Spaces, Wildfire, and my favorite, Golgotha Motor Mountain. <laughs> okay. And so kind of what's cool about this is that uh, Mark Doyle is spearheading this line. You know, he may remember him as the editor at uh, Vertigo and then uh, Batman oh, Comics right. in DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark has a huge mm-hmm. background uh, developing IP. And, you know, he's been an IDW for about a year. And I guess this is what he's been doing. Yeah, and we and probably a lot of the comics market has been speculating on where IDW is going, what they're going to do after losing some of their licenses that they had been relying upon for a lot of their output. Uh, and this is a great direction. Sometimes... You know, if licenses aren't showing up, you double down on original content and maybe create something great. Well, I Kate, that is a great point because I think, you know, IDW has been in the news for, to be honest, a lot of negative reasons lately that they lost the G.I. Joe license. They lost the... um uh, the other, the other big Hasbro, Transformers. Yes, Transformers, yes. yes. I and I mean, to... it's not just big at Hasbro. You, you have to understand, like, they had like one or two G.I. Joe comics. They had a huge line of Transformers yes. comics. And they also, I mean, it was massive, and it was a big seller for them. Yes, it was. And they also lost the license to do um, kids' comics for Disney. So they had wow. the Star yeah. Wars yeah. and Marvel. So, yeah, it's been yeah. – um, or uh, Star Wars they lost for sure. So, anyway, uh, that was a big, a big uh, blow. But you know what? 
in publishing terms these days, I think it's more important to have uh, to be controlling original IP because of the the streaming, you know, the the gaping, hungering black hole of, of streaming, which is just content. desperate for content at yes. all times. Well, even, even if you leave out transmedia properties, even if you leave out the possibility of a streaming gold mine, the fact that they were so much at the mercy of corporate giants just deciding, oh, I don't want to give you my IP anymore. I want you to do something else. Like, you know, that puts your business at risk when you're a small publisher, when you are reliant on one or two big contracts, you could lose at any moment. Mm-hmm. Having your own in-house stuff it gives you a bit of a safety. Now, these are creator-owned t- titles? You know, it doesn't really say. Oh, but uh, given the names involved, well, you know, like John Ridley is doing something. Right. Now, you know John Ridley, Oscar He's going to want to keep his So we just know that John Ridley He's is going to keep his own IP. So uh, uh, my guess. Yeah, there could I'm, be a rights Just split. guessing. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, create a participation model. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I, I would be shocked if it wasn't that. But, mm-hmm. you know, under which... Uh, the creators maintain, like, say, copyright and trademark, whereas the publisher, you know, keeps a big part of uh, media rights. So if they do sell it to a streaming network, which I guarantee you one of these nine titles will be optioned. Absolutely. You know, nobody would take me up on that bet because it's just how things are now. And, um, they're all pretty high concept, Mm -hmm. I gotta be honest. So, you know, and really, you know, top creators. Yes. Like, for instance, True Cult, a five-issue miniseries written by Scott Brian Wilson with art by Leanna Kangas. Love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, introduces Marty Tarantella, a down-on-his-luck loser whose last-ditch scheme to escape a lifetime of fast food service sets him on a collision course with a cult of violent devil-worshipping lunatics. I mean, okay, you know. go for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see where this is going. But, um, you know, I, 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 I suspect some... Mark, you know, Mark worked at Vertigo for a long time, so he has a very mm-hmm. stacked Rolodex, and obviously yeah. he's been spinning yeah. it. Cool. All right. But, um, you know, all the more reason for everybody to be dipping in to new lines and new imprints and new ventures in publishing, because over at the beat, we just published the annual book scan report compiled by retailer Brian Hibbs, who's been a guest on this podcast more than once. Mm. And uh, this time he really outdid himself with 23,000 words. And Calvin, that's a novella, correct? Uh, close enough it for me, yeah. It could easily be published as its uh, yeah, own little... I, it might even be a saga. Uh, yeah, a little, <laughs> its own little bookie. But uh, anyway, Brian... We called it a doozy. We called it a doozy. <laughs> well, he called it a doozy because... Um, <laughs> You know, he adds up the books that are sold. We do get the, the statistics directly from BookScan, and Brian goes through them and analyzes them, and he says... With a fine tooth. Yes, he does. But he says, the, overall, the, the bird's eye view is that this that 2021 was the craziest, largest growth that we've ever seen in the top 750 comics, with more comics material sold in 2021 than 2018 and 2019 Combined. Combined. Wow. So I think that's the best number. It is. And I mean, the whole thing. And, you know, I did some takeaways. I mean, I'm, you know, listen, I know 23,000 words of dense analysis is a bit much for some people. To, to wade through, but um, arguably it only needs ten thousand words more to be a small novel. Okay, but <laughs> well, there you go. I, Brian could do it. 
Thanks, Kate. I'm going to tell him that we need to just do it as a little book. You know, you know, people publish special reports all the time. Why not? Why shouldn't we? Yeah, we'll see if we can get a bookstore distribution. Uh, yeah, but you know, Scholastic. Um, well, the number one book. Can can, can you get? Can either of you guess what the number one well, book I was? I think we all know what the number one book is. Dog Man. Yes, yes. it was Mothering yes. Heights. The number two book was also Cat Kid Comic Club. Dogman, Cat Kid Comic Club, Dogman, Claudia and the New Girl Babysitter's Club, Dogman, The Twisted Ones, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Has any, does anybody know what that is? Yes, it's based on a video game. Okay. I think we've talked about, I, you've told me that before and I just can't retain it. Anyway, uh, it's just what you think. All, um, kids books, but also manga was very strong. Yeah. Chainsaw Man is on there. Uh, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba is on there. Of course, My Hero Academia and Attack on mm. Titan. So yeah. The manga, manga, manga. Manga had a just an absolutely astonishing year and Scholastic was the biggest uh, publisher among the non-manga publishers and just up, 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 yeah. up. Yeah, up, I love and his up. listing of the top publishers, um, as well, both in manga and in, um, I mean, you could kind of guess it and probably get it but um but it is pretty interesting that you know what it's scholastic harper collins uh with after absorbing in particular houghton mifflin uh harcourt uh penguin random house is third penguin random house is never third in anything right (laughs) (laughs) um you know mcmillan andrews mcmeal dc dark horse abrams hachette and idw is number 10 yeah and uh, I think the biggest shock here is that Marvel and DC mm. had terrible years. Like Marvel literally had, I think, one book in the top 750 titles. Which I think, is this the one, uh, Miles Morales Shockwave? Yes, which, was which really... wasn't even published by Marvel. Yeah, no, it was actually published by Scholastic, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah through, through their deal. And uh, Which, by the way, I ran a, an excerpt from it in mm-hmm. 2021, if you ever go to publisherswiki.com slash comics you can probably find it um charming little story but yeah. yeah i don't know what the numbers are but it was you know big yeah <laughs> well all i can say is i have a theory and it involves the fact that the quote-unquote big two were not in high production mode during 2020 and the floppy to trade pipeline is whatever big book hits floppies this year mm, will be in yeah. trade a bestseller next, next year. Yeah. And sure. you know, they just it's, it's, those titles aren't there. My guess is that if you look at sales for 2022, you're going to see a rebound just like you saw a rebound in floppies in 2021. So, uh, Kate, I I agree with you for DC, but I do not agree with Marvel. Interesting. I, I because Why? they're on a downward trajectory. Because really? yeah, I mean, what what announced book this year for Marvel do you think would be a bestseller next year? You know, none of them hit me, but at the same time, I will say that, okay, I'm going to say this politely, because I say this as someone who has liked my share of superhero comics and still likes many. Mm-hmm. Marvel fans' ways are strange to me. <laughs> I can never predict what's going to be a big book for Marvel. Never. Yeah. Well, but I could, yes, but I could tell you that based on what I see and what I'm hearing, they're really not interested in the book market, you know, because they have not been 
they haven't been putting out material. They don't keep it in print. They still have a terrible trade trade publishing program. Mm. Um, you know, they have Random House now doing it to comic shops. So you'd think that that would, you know, I, I take it. So I take that back. Maybe Random House will have some sort of influence. Right. But at the moment, whole... I mean, if it has that influence, it's not going to have that influence now. Yes. Might that influence might hit in 2023. Yeah. So, yeah, just another uh, quote from Brian's piece. Uh, 2021 is the lowest number of DC books placed in the top 750 since we've been tracking this, which is like 17 years. Not, however, the lowest unit sales. Uh, and their number one book from DC was Teen Titans, Beast Boy. <laughs> so... Um, but that's good. It's it good, is good that it's not a perennial. It's good that it's something new. That is true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, the times they are changing. Um, the times have changed. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And um, just a lot of, you know, for 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 uh, deep divers and number trackers, um, I, you know, plug, 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 uh, check it out. You'll find all sorts of interesting. There's a lot of books on here that sold 40,000 copies that I've yeah. never even heard of. Yeah. I mean, no, this is how popular the categories are. I mean, yeah. Yeah. kids' graphic novels and manga are... They're selling like we've never seen anything sell yeah. before. But also, I think some of it is that audiences that weren't necessarily big graphic novel buyers in the past lock them down for um, COVID, and things that were a niche product three years ago are suddenly a forty thousand copy seller. Right. Well, we're we're going to see what happens now that people are leaving their houses and no, and you know, mass numbers again. Yeah, um, but I mean, I think well, we're going to see the shockwaves for a while because, like, for example, only now are we starting to have anything resembling a normal movie schedule, and that's only like maybe half the output that we mm-hmm. had before the pandemic. It's going to be a while, and quite frankly, the turnaround time for comics is shorter mm-hmm. than for other media. So, comics is going to turn that ship faster. And they may grab some market share in the yeah. meanwhile. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, book sales in this year are down. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, in comparison with pre-COVID, they probably aren't down very much. Mm-hmm. I forget. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, everyone is predicting, including MPD, that we can't expect this right. you know, this kind of explosive yeah. sales to continue. Mm-hmm. And and part of that is because of something we're going to be bringing up yet another exciting case of later, supply chain issues. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you more, walk into any bookstore and if you don't understand bookstores, you'll just be like, huh, I wonder why they rearranged it. But if you know bookstores, you're like, oh, those books are facing out because they don't have enough books. Right. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I hopefully we'll see numbers higher. I, I, but I will guarantee this. I will guarantee that the numbers for kids' graphic novels and manga are going to stay They're higher going to stay crazy. than yeah. they were before the <laughs> pandemic. And, yeah. you know, there is, uh, you know what? Let's segue to our next story because when kids uh, get a taste for it. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, an, uh, you know, anime is just huge. Now mm. we were talking about this yesterday when Cal- Calvin and I were here in the office, um, for a little staff gathering and just, that, um, but you know, to segue to our next topic, which is what will Warner Brothers do? What will Discovery Warner Brothers do? Mm. Um, some people were suggesting that, you know, all these anime, I mean, granted, live action adaptations don't do that well. Look no. at, uh, Cowboy Bebop, but you know, they're so popular right now. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's where, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> well, yeah, but if, if you're smart, you, uh, you figure out how to use fire. 
That's you great. know, <laughs> there are things you can do with manga and anime that will make you a whole lot of money. And a live action adaptation with white people is not one no. of them. Well, that, I think that's a key element. If they're yeah. going to continue their whitewashing ways. No, no whitewashing. Do it's not. not that you, work. They not are missing what anime fans like about anime if you try to make them Western. Yes. Yeah. You have to let them be Japanese because that's part of the appeal. Yes. And they keep they keep running their heads into the same wall going, how do we get money out of this and do the same thing again? Follow the fans. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are things you can do to make money yeah. from anime. Absolutely. And I think they're going to figure it out eventually. Well, the big question around town, uh, namely LA, has been what is happening with Discovery Warner Brothers now that it is official, they have taken it over from AT&T. And of course, everybody has been asking what's going to happen to DC Comics. Yes. Now we know the DC movies are not going to go away because they're no. the crowning IP sure. of the whole studio. But, uh, you know, will DC Comics survive? Well, you know, there's not much left to trim down, but, uh, David Zaslav, the head of Discovery has pledged $3 billion in cuts. So, um, yeah, but out. so today kind of the first, like there's been a lot of stories looking at, um, you know, what's happening at Warner Brothers in terms of all the people out, all the people in, a lot of discovery people coming in. And today was kind of the first look mm-hmm. at DC and, uh, you know, they are looking at DC. Yeah. <laughs> what a well, surprise. that, that in and of itself <laughs> is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and well, the variety story that, uh, we were talking about, yes. I think it's really interesting. Well, it is. So, I and mean, you know, to be clear, it is, uh, you know, the headline is, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery exploring overhaul of DC entertainment. But that, they do mean the film version of it, mm-hmm. you know, with that they've drawn, you know, it's the old, oh, let's make a big vertical out of this. Let's bring it all under one yeah, I thing. Mean, there's no equivalent to Marvel Studios at DC, right? Well, there was. Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. Remember DC Films, Kate? Yeah, see, I don't, it lasted I, for all of an eye blank. Yes. Yeah, yeah, see, before infighting immediately yeah. ripped it apart. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. So, uh, so you know, they have tried that before, but maybe they'll try it again with better, you know, better results. Um, yeah, according to Variety here, uh, top, top leadership has been toying with the idea of turning DC into its own solidified content vertical. The sources said, uh, they, they, they were all in an effort to have the disparate elements more closely aligned in order to maximize the value of the superhero stable. One often seen as punching up against Marvel. Uh, and this would include the pictures, whatever the pictures, streaming services, mm-hmm. and the creative arm within DC proper. So, you know, that is like one little sentence that makes it sounds like uh, maybe they understand the comics are part of the pipeline of ideas yeah, and, for all this. You know, and maybe it means some sense that the comics editorial just has a higher profile, more respect. Um, well, maybe. Well, you hope. You, one, yeah. <laughs> one would hope. I mean, uh, so, you know, of course, I've been asking around. And, uh, very, very different ideas from people depending on who you ask. Nobody knows anything, yeah. you know, but I, I think the main idea is that, uh, the, the cuts, the, you know, a lot of people are being, you know, removed at Dis- Warner Brothers Discovery and, uh, that the people at, at DC are at such a low level that they're not going to, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to get around to them for a little while, hmm. but, 
Uh, there is hope among DC folks that Pam Lifford will not be there, that her, <laughs> people at her level are going to get, um, you know, scrutinized a bit. So, uh, because she's been a disaster for DC Comics, absolutely. She does not, she's not a fan of publishing, period. She doesn't, fan of publishing books, comics, anything. And, you know, anyone who kills, who says they're a branding expert who kills Mad Magazine, is yeah, it doesn't. They're not good at sense. brands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So kind of a big more to come on that, but uh, boy, all eyes on yeah. the water tower. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I lost. Well, the, the you know the the importance of DC Comics. What we're just saying is IP was brought home last ah. week with a story. Yes. Um, about the, 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 the MCU, which continues motoring along. Doctor Strange is coming. Moon Knight is on. And, uh, Doctor Strange movie, The Multiverse of Madness. We'll see the debut of America Chavez on screen. And the technical, the creator of America Chavez is, uh, writer Joe Casey, uh, along with an artist whose name I should look up. But, uh, basically, uh, they came to him with their standard character creator deal, which is $5,000 for which you can you know, go to the premiere, you know, buy a new, <laughs> a new dress. Yeah, you if you're can, a yeah, female, you, popcorn. you creator, you would need to uh, get a new frock. Of course, you can't walk the red carpet yeah. in the same outfit, so you need a new outfit. But, uh, and you know, Joe said, uh, no. Yeah. I don't, that's pathetic. He got, uh, he said. And he's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's not keeping his mouth shut. And, you know, he's the latest to talk about it. Uh, and, you know, what the few people are popping up. Um, who have created these, you know, smaller characters that are really becoming much bigger characters. Yeah. So, um, Ed Brubaker obviously is one who's created a really big character. Mm, yeah. A really major character. And apparently he hasn't seen much money from it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and then we're talking about the Winter Soldier, obviously. Yes. Uh, so, boy, this is a character that is clearly not going away because obviously the American Chavez looks like she's going to become a bigger and bigger part. Right. Of the MCU. Um, and, but what I find interesting is that, uh, this 5,000 figures thrown about, but supposedly Marvel keeps saying it's more than that. But nobody else is. Right. <laughs> right. Marvel may say it's more than that, but they don't say how much more than yeah. that. Is it $5,010, yeah. Marvel? <laughs> yeah. Is that what I it? mean, there was a big article that we talked about on the podcast. There was a big article in The Guardian by Sam Thoman, another former writer yes, for Publishers absolutely. Weekly. So, you know, listen, the, with Calvin and yeah. I, I just want to say we've had a hand in, in a lot of, yeah, you know, we've a lot of good people. The, across, this is a mothership uh, and we yeah. send our, you yes. know, we send them out to the world to, you know, to, to We're thrilled to have have <laughs> yes. help. Anyway, he wrote a big story about how the five thousand dollars was considered hush money, you know, hush shut up yeah. money, and yeah. like a lot of people were like, "I think it's worth more than that." Now, I'd like to point out a couple things about um, America Chavez, who was created but co-created by Joe Casey and artist Nick Dragota. Mm-hmm. Uh, their version is not the one that really is well known. Later on. Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey did kind of a reboot that okay. um, for young was it Young Avengers I think mm. yeah and uh, she became a lot more the uh, feisty queer uh, jeans jacket wearing America Chavez that that you know is is known and loved now so and Joe is is on you know he listen he. He's very successful. Joe's, yeah. you know, his, his has a production company that's the co-creator of Ben 10, which is a huge, mm-hmm. um, you know, he wrote and directed his own movie. Yeah. Uh, he, so he's quite, he's quite successful. So he can really say, 
I don't want you five thousand yeah. dollars and make a stink and you know yeah, yeah as as he should because if if the insult is not worth five thousand dollars to you if the five thousand dollars is not worth your pride then you are the one who should be making this stink on the behalf of everyone else who would really like to get more than five thousand dollars but can't afford to lose any of it yeah exactly and um there is a i believe there was a great quote let me see is this his quote it. at the end of it well i'm trying to find yeah. the paul levitt's quote because i thought oh, that it's was a, a very re- that's a very good quote i thought paul's quote, paul's quote was, was quite really good. great he had he, this was in a yeah. different story but he said uh christian bale liked looking at batman artist yeah. tim sales work before he'd go out and strike a pose i'm not sure how you value that but when you have a movie that is as successful as batman begins or dark knight it says that there's something there and you should say thank you in some fashion, which is a very gracious yes, well, uh, view from Paul, Paul the former publisher of DC. Yeah. And it's well known within the industry that DC was formerly a lot better. And, you know, now mm-hmm. under some of these new regimes, I've heard a little bit more mixed. Um, but, you know, they were certainly in the past much more gracious about um, – giving creators some kind of compensation. So, look, we're not saying pay them millions and millions yeah. of dollars. We're just saying $5,000 is, is pretty not gonna, pathetic. not going to cut it. No, and it's just do the right thing, Disney and yeah. Marvel. I mean, do because the, right. the amount of profit they are making on these characters is astronomical. Yeah. It is literally more than the defense budget of a small country. <laughs> yes. You can afford to pay the writers and artists more than $5,000 for this property that has made you so much money. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk about uh, get WonderCon and MoCA in a minute. But, you know, when I was at WonderCon, I was talking to some creators and, you know, just the the subject of owning your stuff came up and royalties and all that. And, you know, I'll say there was a lot of mis- misunderstandings among the creative community about just how this works sometimes. But, you know, in the book publishing world, we've said this on this podcast before, but it's just worth saying again. Um, you know, you're incentivized. <laughs> you know, they incented the, the, the whole, the whole system is set up to incentivize authors who are successful to stay with the publisher because they don't have to you know if they sign a five book deal yes but they don't have to stay with you and if they're successful so you know the whole goal is to make them stay and um that's a pretty good system for books and if they do well then you know you do well yes so right yeah you know and they do more stuff for you and if if they don't do well you still get money yeah 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 i mean i think among comics publishers there is a long-standing tradition of, uh, you know, we make this. That, in, whereas in the publishing world, book publishing world, it's, you know, it's pretty well known that authors make it. So, oh, yeah. Well, the interesting thing about it is that what what we see happening with Joe Casey and with, you know, with Ed and is uh, almost it, almost verbatim the problem as described by Zest World's CEO. Yes. And he's like, we're, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but. You know, we're seeing uh, um, creations come out of the comics world that are creating franchises and revenues like we've never seen before in the history of this industry. And then you have creators 
who are barely making a dime from this yeah. stuff. And, you know, look, Moon Knight just debuted on yeah. Disney Plus a few weeks ago, and they had a big premiere, and there was Declan Shalvey, the artist, walking down the red carpet and, you know, putting it up on his Instagram, and a lot of his designs in this version, which is written by Warren Ellis. I know people mm-hmm. don't like to mm-hmm. say his name, but, I, I yeah. you know, he created it. Yeah. i got to yeah. give him credit for that. And, you know... Do I think Declan took the five thousand dollars? I think he did. Mm. You know, and I'm, I'm. That's his decision. I'm. You know, yeah, I don't good blame for him. him for good it. for him. Yeah, I'm sure he would like to be offered more money than that, but he'll take yeah. what he can get. Yeah. Yep. Shut up, money. But you know, if if somebody can afford not to take it and to try to hold out for more or try to to fight for everybody else getting more too, then more power to him. Yep. Absolutely. But we, we, we're we're living in a a restructuring or or certainly. Um, some people are working hard to to come up with a restructuring of of how of how the business works, how yeah. how making a living making comics yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. This is a fight that's been going on since the fi- founding of Image. Yeah, and, and uh, the fight continues. Yeah, and you know, and the list, stakes get higher. I mean, I'm friends with Joe. Uh, you know, I've been friends with him for a long time. Like a lot of people in this industry, I'll just say this: good for him. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, he is in the position to speak out and speak out loudly, and he did. And I, I do believe he is doing it so that other people will will um, you know get treated a little bit better. There we go. All right, um, cult manga. Yes. So <laughs> sometimes when we talk about a cult comic or a <laughs> cult manga. We mean that its fans are excessively devoted. (laughs) But in this case, we're talking about a manga about cults. Um, And the fact that it got pulled due to complaints from cults. Now, Shueisha is a major, major manga publisher. They make a lot of money. And they have removed their um, web manga, A Home Life with God, We Children Born into Religion, um, from their website due to complaints from, how shall we put this, what was referred to as fringe religions in Japan. So the mangaka is Mariko Kikuchi, and she is not keeping her mouth shut. She is not just, you know, vanishing into the woodwork and starting a new manga. She's very unhappy about it and has been speaking out to the press. Um, so the concept of a home life with God is that each chapter is based on an anonymized version of the experiences of someone who grew up in a highly religious and controlling environment. And the fifth installment, although she never names which ones, the fifth installment has been speculated to be based on the Japanese, well, they refer to it as new religion, happy <laughs> science. Mm. Um. So happy science uh, is infamous for such things as um, being anti-vax and offering spiritual vaccines instead. Um, uh, you know, denying that Japan has ever done anything wrong 
in such cases as the Nanking Massacre. Mm. And um, they're pretty notorious within Japan. But after this fifth installment, which some people have speculated to be about them, um, the publisher pulled the comic due to quote-unquote public outcry. Kikuchi is arguing that she was told by higher-ups at Shueisha, oh, uh, you need to change this because it's not sufficiently um, well-researched. You need more informants than just one. And she said, okay, how many do I need? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, they kept telling her to change it in a way that she felt made it untrue to the uh, anonymized versions of real personal life stories from anonymous former cult members raised in that environment. Um, this is apparently pretty common for happy science's pressuring tactics. According to uh, experts in the know about them, it sounds like their methods are pretty similar to Scientology's in America, but perhaps even more so. Kikuchi went on record in the press saying that she feels this is a bad sign for artistic freedom when talking about um, religion in Japan, that it's become taboo for anyone to write anything critical about religion because of these pressuring tactics and that the major publishers are not being willing to publish anything critical about mm. religions, even when you don't name a specific religion. This is not government censorship, but it is a worrying behavior on the part of a publisher. And especially when you think of how much of the public does not belong to a cult. Yeah, well... You know, it doesn't... It doesn't I make mean, much sense DC commercially. DC famously um, had some worries about big science also. And, um, you know, they pulled that Alan Moore story yeah. that they had already published a different version of. And that's, you know, what's one of the final straws. It was a, a story in the Gray Shirt series in America's Top Ten that, or America's Best Comics, pardon me, that, yeah. um, so, you know, one of the final straws that Alan Moore, but, you know, there, there have been people are, 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 are quite scared of big science, it seems. <laughs> like some publishers are very alarmed by them. Hmm. Oh, you mean, you mean Scientology? Happy... Yes. Oh, oh, you mean, ha yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying, yes, when I say big science, I meant what you were saying. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah. I was not, using I... a euphemism, yes, it's Scientology we're talking yeah, about. Right, yeah. and, but the thing is that I really sincerely doubt that the Scientologists are not, are going to come after, um, more to come, a, <laughs> a obscure comic-related no, podcast. No, that's quite true. We can just say yeah, whatever we want. Most although. likely not. I mean, we, uh, most PWA, likely writing about uh, some of their uh, uh, situations years ago uh, did provoke a response, but you know, we moved on through it. Really? Yeah. Well, this Interesting. Was a long time ago. This was a long time ago in the uh, early nineties. So, so in any anyway. event, um, it the comic has been totally pulled from the Shueisha website. Um, there's no word on whether it's been picked up by any other publishers or anywhere else. Uh, my hope is maybe a publisher outside Japan might pick it up and translate it because it sounds very interesting. Mm, indeed. 
Well, well we were yeah. we left the house. Yes, we did. I was yes. in one. Car, I was in one yes. coast. You guys were the other. Side. How was Mocha? Mocha, of course, really was a joyful um, return to some version of normal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a new venue. Um, uh, the crowds came out. Uh, for those who don't know, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you do know the Mocha Art Fest. Uh, it's, you know, a stellar, uh, in the, uh, as I always quote, uh, as Heidi McDonald has dubbed them, Comics Arts Festival, um, uh, to distinguish them from the Megacons. Uh, and, uh, you couldn't ask for a better example of, uh, you know, the event. Uh, they returned to a new venue on West 18th Street, the Metropolitan P- Pavilion. Uh, it's perfect. I don't know what the exact size is, but it's really, I think uh, Charlie Koshman from Abram Comics Art, I think he said it feels right. This is home. And Anel Miller, the executive director of the Society of Illustrators, which organizes the, the Mocha Art Festival, she agreed. And they're coming back next year. Uh, before they returned, I mean, two years ago, the last time it was held, um, Actually, I guess it might even be three because they didn't even yeah, it's by the because f- they didn't even um, get to do yeah, one. it's coming back for the third. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things have been gone for three years. Yes. Um, it was in Metropolitan. I think it was called Metropolitan West. They, yes. it was uh, owned by the same people, but it was all the way over. In fact, it was very close to the uh, um, the Intrepid. To yeah, to it was Jab- way out of the way. The, it was very close to the Jefferson. Look, it was way out of the way. It was way out of the way. It was a real trip. And I think it was on multiple floors. Yes, it was. Oh, was this just on one floor? And and of course. The aisles were spaced so wide that I can see where, as we get further down the road uh, from COVID, where they can grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was great. It's all on one floor. It's very easy to get to. Uh, now, I think even um, uh, Anel was surprised at – look, it's a very well-organized show. But the first day, they were a bit overwhelmed by the crowds. I don't think anybody wow. expected the crowds. Wow, wow, wow. If you know where the Metropolitan Pavilion is, it's about the middle of the block – between 6th Avenue and 7th. Well, I mean, you couldn't get any more central or better located. Exactly. It's right off the F train. So easy very to get easy. to. The line to get in wow. was around the corner and up 6th Avenue almost to 19th. Wow. Uh, now, they were, you know, they, they, let's see. Now, you had to wear a mask. Um, I can't, re- I, I don't know if they were checking vaccinations. I can't remember. Um, but the, the, the line to get in up until... I'd say up until about two o'clock or so was pretty uh, crazy. <laughs> well, that's wonderful, man. I'm uh, so bummed I missed it. Uh, at the end of the day, they uh, attracted nearly six thousand fans. Uh, at the last one, they uh, attracted just under seven thousand fans. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really strong rebound. Yeah. Um, there was a great programming. They used the um, the School of uh, uh, Visual Arts has another venue on Twenty First Street, uh, West Side. Uh, that's where they held the panels. Oh. I didn't get over there, so uh, that's unfortunate because they had really good. Ron Wimperly was giving, was being uh, doing a public interview. Uh, Durf was there talking about uh, Kent State and signing. Um, Nora Krug, Belonging, that won the uh, National Book Critics Circle Award. The, they're a graphic memoir. Uh, there was just a great list of programming. Um, it was just a good show. It was a great vibe. It was packed all day, every day. Um, go to publishersweekly.com slash comics and you can see photos. Oh man, and, I got I haven't and, seen that. You yeah. know, uh, and I was one of the judges 
for the uh, Excellence Awards, the show, the, the show floor awards. So we went around, and 15 people were chosen. There were three. Uh, there were three judges. Um, we all picked five people, and they all got a um, wake up tablet. Oh, nice! Wow, so, good for uh, Wakeham. Wow, there were you know I think they're just some really great talented stuff. And if you go to um, last week's podcast, I interviewed Charlie Kochman, um, uh, Sharon De La Cruz, who has a wonderful book, uh, a queer memoir uh, from Street Noise Books. Karen Green is was just back from Angoulême and bought a book from Sharon while she was <laughs> I was interviewing her. So, um, and did I interview someone else? I can't remember. Anyway, go to, go to, go to, uh, more to come. You'll see. Anyway, great show. Welcome back, Mocha. Yeah, I think Mocha was the first of the indie shows to come back post pandemic. I can't mm-hmm. think of any other ones that have actually been held. A lot of them, sadly, are missing in action with their, even yeah. their websites. Comic Arts Brooklyn, their website doesn't even yeah, exist I anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think that that, yeah, I think that would have been, yeah, yeah. At least of the major shows, yeah, for the sure. major ones. Sure. But yeah. TCAF is coming back, and um, a couple of other yeah. uh, shows are. Coming, yeah, Van so. Calf is coming back. Yeah, you know, so um, they're 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 coming. They're starting. Uh, you know, so, we're getting. And, oh, and I should mention George Rohack. That's who uh, one of the interviews of, oh, of okay. organized. Yes. Havoc. we. I got Another. a chance to talk with him about. Yeah, he had a group there that he was uh, drawfee that he was uh, yeah. repping in. So yeah. Anyway. Well, that's great. I mean, I'm sad I miss Mocha, but uh, I went to WonderCon held in Anaheim, California. And, uh, you know, for me, it was more of like a slash vacation mental health trip where just leaving New York City was very important to me. But also going to the con. Hmm. Um, uh, we did some interviews for our YouTube channel, for the Beats YouTube channel. We have a wonderful interview with Jean Lin Yang and uh, Tin Pham. Uh, and I'd have you, I don't know if you talked to Tin Pham, but boy, that guy is I, I, yeah, I don't he's know. hilarious. Yeah. He is hilarious. And, you know, he's collaborated with, uh, Gene Yang on a couple books. But, um, and you know, I hadn't heard the news because it broke, oh. but they're doing Clash of it? Clans. Yes. And, uh, which, I don't know if you know, but Mark Siegel has been trying to do Clash of Clans for a long time. And, uh, it's hilarious. He got Gene Yang to do it. Uh, you know, we also had Rob Liefeld, uh, opposite side on, and we did a nice interview with him. Um, I talked to Keith Knight, who's, oh, uh, Woke, Woke season yeah, two was back. up. Yeah. Uh, you know, got to hang out with Keith a little bit and, um, you know, talked to him. He was having a really good time. So WonderCon, uh, is a media con. I mean, it's not primarily comics. There was very few publishers there. Z2 was one of them. Um, they had, uh, Cheech and Chong at their booth. So, oh, um, did they yeah, they're doing yeah. a book with Cheech they and Chong? Did, yes, they did Cheech and Chong. <laughs> And um, who else was there? Aftershock was there. And mm-hmm. that's really – they had some comics guests. Uh, Becky Cloonan was back. Um, you know, this show was um, – I think it was really the folks who throw San Diego Comic-Con kind of gearing up to throw San Diego oh, Comic-Con again, again in July. Testing yeah. the waters. Testing, sure. Well, just getting back in shape. You know, yeah. everybody's been hunkering down and, you know, I just ran into the, even some of the people and they just said, I just feel rusty. You know, just like we feel, I think we feel rusty too. We feel a lot. very rusty. Yeah. So, um, you know, everybody's got to get their, uh, get back their, you know, conditioning back up. <laughs> so this was a lot of fun. I mean, I personally had a wonderful time there, uh, just catching up with folks. Um, not really any news breaking, comics news breaking out of there, but you know, it's the feeling is the same on both coasts. Just say, we said it here every all the time. Comics are a community, and uh, the community is starting to come back together and uh, in a very, very positive fashion. Yeah. Yep. Love it. 
And on that note, the briefs. The briefs. Well, we've got a lot of brief stories this week, and we've got a little bit of time to bring them to you, so we're going to go there. So, the first brief is quite brief indeed. The singer Amy Mann is doing her own ongoing memoir comic on her Instagram. Um, no, this is not a case where the uh, celebrity has hired someone to draw it and or write it. It's all Amy Mann all the time. Um, and it's just this little memoir comic drawn on a uh, lined notebook paper. But it's it's pretty quality work, and it managed to get profiled in the Washington Post. So, you know, good publicity for comics and good publicity for her. On the subject of, oh, well, rather less good publicity is uh, Fantagraphics, which has had a little, little hiccup. Slow boat to China, from China. Yeah, a little slower than anticipated. So, Fantagraphics, if you aren't familiar with their output, publishes some really beautiful graphic novels that have really detailed specialist printing going on. And a lot of that kind of printing is frequently done overseas. And in this case, China. Hmm. Um, and they are stranded. It is not coming back anytime soon <laughs> because it is quite literally lost at sea. Um, you want it? Yeah. We're going, yes. So the, the infamous Ever Forward, which you may have uh, heard about, a uh, thousand foot container ship which has been lodged near the Chesapeake Bay for more than three weeks. Yes, that's right. The uh, sister ship to the one that had gotten stuck in the Suez Canal. Oh, my God. It's doomed. Same it's like, company. It's like the Titanic and the Britannic. It's, yeah. it's, it's sister ship that also sank. It's, People it's, don't talk about the Britannic. It's, it's a weird situation. Yeah. yeah. Make of that what you will. Um... Jack Cohen, um, the Fantagraphics executive of uh, marketing publicity, was interviewed by Publishers Weekly magazine and confirmed that indeed they have numerous titles stranded upon the boat. They have, they have one. One? They Well, Fantagraphics has one book, but ah. there are likely other publishers who also have books stranded on Got the boat. Got it. Also. But it's unclear who or how many. And I, there was a, conf we got a confirmation, uh, from a source that I can't name, uh, yeah. that there are definitely other publishers on there, but they, for a variety of reasons, they didn't want to get into the names and how many. Mm -hmm. So this is, uh, you know, and this of course is the second time they've had problems that this yeah. has happened to them. So PW more to comes. Favorite to the point where it's become, oh, a running joke on this <laughs> podcast is the book My Favorite Thing. Nah, no, Kate, no, no, Kate, no. Yes, it is my favorite. The reason that this book took so long from the Calvin Review to Award Pipeline was uh, because it, it got delayed and stuck when the shipping company that was shipping it uh, went into receivership 
and the whole boat got stranded for months. Um, so now, which gave Calvin, just in case you weren't listening to us five years ago, <laughs> ample opportunity to talk about my favorite thing as monsters because it's Calvin's favorite thing as it monsters. It really is my favorite book. And no, course, Calvin. Nobody could. Nobody could find a book. <laughs> this great book that you could not buy. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So apparently, Fantagraphics has a knack for getting its best books because the book that's stuck on the boat is Jordan Crane's uh, Keeping Two. A yeah. starred review. It really is quite a a, a beautifully illustrated book, and the whole book. print run is on 10, one boat. And also, yeah. Jordan Crane hasn't made any comics for a long yeah. time, so this was a big comeback this is a book big deal. for him. Yeah, yeah. No. and highly anticipated. Yeah, yes. highly anticipated. And this is affecting his book tour and all. Of that. Yeah, yeah, that blows, man. Yeah. So, that but blows. um, but I, I think we I, we talked with Jacques, and she they they're 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 pretty confident that. Um, one of the things she says is that, um, well, you know, people have kind of gotten used to things being late now. That's one of the benefits <laughs> of the pandemic. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Is it that it's the boat just can't dock? Is it one of those things? No, it ran aground. Stuck. Uh, oh, it is stuck. <laughs> it's stuck. Somehow it managed to, you know, go the wrong place in the bay and get hung up. What is it with Evergreen mm. and their ships, captains, and pilots? Yeah. Uh, because when they're in these waterways like a bay, they're supposed to have a pilot who knows what pilot they're doing. Pilot supposed to know what they're doing. So I don't know if it's the scale of their ships or well, just that they're not well, the paying for particular. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> they're, they're just really they may huge. be very hard to maneuver something that large. Yeah. Well, if they're laden with heavy fanographics books, you know, it's just they <laughs> yeah, didn't well, know their weight. That, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, apparently so, what they have to, they're doing is they're removing some, it's, it, there's nearly 5,000 containers on this ship. Yeah. They're removing some of them, obviously hoping that the boat will, you know, you know, refloat. Good luck with that. So more to come. Yeah. I mean, let this be a lesson to Fantagraphics. Don't put all your eggs in <laughs> one basket or in this case, books in one boat. There you go. <sighs> oh. The world we live in. I think we could, prop listeners, I think if you totaled up the number of minutes that we spent on more to come in the last two years talking about shipping and supply problems, you could probably get an entire episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, speaking of things that um, we talk about frequently, Katakawa is trying to legally compel YouTube to turn over the identity of several accused quote-unquote manga pirates. Now, it's not entirely clear if they are, in fact, what an American would consider to be a pirate, given that uh, manga publishers and YouTube have now had uh, a history of U.S. courts saying, no, that's totally fine, that's not piracy, that's a review with spoilers. Mm. Yeah. Or fair use, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's fair use because they have like two panels from yeah. a review with spoilers. Um, and so we don't actually know if these are manga pirates or not. Yeah. YouTube is not turning over their information. It's going to the courts. More to come on that. Yeah. Yep. More to. But I think it's, it's always important to realize that when we talk about, oh, they're taking down pirates that Sometimes somebody else's definitions of pirates may not be yeah, what you think. That seems to be what's it, Kate. Uh, yeah. What's going on here? Um, and on 
sad manga news. Um, Fujiko Fujio A, aka Motu Abiko, the creator of the long running manga, children's entertainment empire, really groundbreaking stuff, uh, comic Doraemon, a very silly comic about a blue cat and his family died at the age of 88. Is, he is one of the first generation of really big post-World War II manga creators who really created the manga industry as we know it today and it's, it's the end of an era. Yeah, and uh, Doraemon is yeah. super, super popular. You know, huge yeah. licensing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's akin to Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is everywhere. So... Um, and on a happier note, related to manga, the rumored 1970s Moon Knight manga <laughs> never translated into English, right, long go. believed awesome. to be an urban legend, <laughs> unknown to many people at Marvel, has been proven to be real. People have gotten their hands on the uh, 1970s Moon Knight manga. Um, there are a few pages up on a a tribute blog proving that the thing exists. No word on whether it's going to get translated if the series on television uh, is a hit. But uh, hey, a happy ending and more to come go. on. That's that. the way manga selling. They'd be foolish not to bring it They'd back. They'd be foolish. So just do it. Bring it back. Manga Moon Knight. We want yeah. it. We want it. Can I jump in real quick with one Please. more thing? Um, you mentioned Z2 Comics. <clears throat> uh, we have a profile of the company, Z2 Comics, uh, that looks at the, the company under, uh, the Josh Frankel and Shredder Reddy, the, the co-principals. Uh, they, they built up a, a business model around publishing graphic novels based on music IP that has really taken off. Uh, last year they published what I consider one of the best uh, graphic novel reviews of, uh, excuse me, a graphic biographies of, of Charlie Parker, uh, the great uh, jazz musician that I've ever read. Uh, but they've got books coming out from Rizzo, Wu-Tang. They're doing books based on heavy metal, thrash punk, hip hop. And in the next year, they're publishing about 25 books, but featuring Tori Amos, Melissa Etheridge, you name it. Uh, check it out. Publishersweekly.com slash comics about, um, what does he say? An independent graphic novel publisher that is forging a different past to the market while sticking closely to the aesthetics of the hardcore comics fans that uh, they know and love. Yeah, but the book of the year from them is Cheech and Chong. Because I edited it. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't but know. Good. Didn't I tell you guys you that? You did no. not. No, you did not. I never... You I never told us that you were no. editing the Cheech and Chong comic. No. And also what I left out is that they're, they're branching out into other kinds of right. genres and other kinds of books, too. So this sounds like one, one of them. So that's well, great. they no, just revealed it. it at WonderCon, so oh, I great. probably hadn't mentioned it until now. So, no, that's but yeah, great. You know, I do occasional freelance comics editing, so I well, do work we, on that book. So. We, uh, we have a lot of respect for Josh Frankel. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So. Well, I guess, you know, that's about it. And don't forget... Give us a rating, drop yeah. us a line, give us some feedback. Talk to us. Because there will be more to come.